Let love be genuine. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be conceited. Repay repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink, for by so doing you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. In the year 1960, um, Ruby broke the color line in New Orleans. In 1954, the Supreme Court in the Board versus the Board, Brown versus the Board of Education uh, ruled that schools must integrate the races. And for some reason, Ruby was selected to break the color line in New Orleans. Picture this with me. She would be dropped off at school by four U.S. Marshals, this first grader. Day after day, those Marshals would escort her up the sidewalk and then up some, some stairs and into the building. And as they were walking up that sidewalk... Parents, along with children whom those parents had taken out of class because Ruby was there, would be lining the sidewalks, mercifully held back by barriers, but close enough still uh, to be able to, uh, to spit at her, to scream at her, and to threaten her life, literally. The marshals um, were uh, tightly around her, uh, and they said to her each day, keep your head down and don't look back and just keep going forward, month after month, as these vicious attacks continued. There was uh, uh, a psychologist who was, ama- who was uh, drawn to her, uh, concerned to help her, and, uh, and he, he befriended her, And the courage of this little girl simply amazed him. And then one day, um, she did look back. As she was being ushered the sidewalk and up those stairs, she did look back and actually broke free from the marshals and went back down towards her tormentors. And she just stood there. Her lips were moving. Don't know. I don't know what she said. The psychologist, fascinated by this, said, Ruby, what were you telling them? 
What were you saying to them? She said this, I wasn't talking to them. I was praying. Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. She said, it is reported that they were raised uh, by people who hated black people just because of the color of their skin, and they are both angry and afraid. And Ruby told the psychologist, my mother taught me that, and my mother taught me to pray. Our passage, bless those who persecute you, bless and do not curse them, um, is one more example of verse 9 sort of being woven throughout this passage. Let your love be genuine. Let your love be the real deal. And the real deal looks like this. When you're persecuted, you bless. You don't curse. Now, (laughs) retaliation is simply what we do naturally, isn't it? This hardly needs to be preached. The word persecute, it really conveys, it has the meaning of come after. Come after the person so that you drive, you harass them and drive them away. Persecution is coming after. And it cuts us deep when people have come after us, not because of what we, of what we deserve, but especially when you don't deserve it. Instinctively, we want to hit back. We want to get even. We want to give them what they deserve. Our struggle is not to retaliate. We want with every fiber of our being from time to time to give them some of their own medicine. Now, when our kids were growing up, I don't know where this gift appeared, but we got on a, a gag gift on uh, some Christmas a, a little a little box that had a little button on it and and you pushed the button and it would it would say things and it was called an an uh, an insultinator an insultinator so you pressed the button on that insultinator and I I put that on the family thread yesterday it said does anybody remember what the insultinator said and and a daughter wrote back a quick quickly and she said this you are a gross boring nerd And it had a number of insults like that. You press the button, you never know what you're going to get, but you'll get some kind of of insult from that little little toy. It was a G-rated toy. I don't think it's G-rated anymore, so don't look it up and say, so this is what the Ellis's had in their house. (laughs) But but here's the problem. Our hearts are um, insultinators too, aren't they? And you just can't change this by a force of the will. You, you can't just say, well, tomorrow, I'm going to wake up and I'm going to love my enemies. That's what I'll do. And expect that that's going to happen. No, we're talking about living in accordance with the gospel. And, and we, we, whenever we're drifting back into that insultinator mode, 
we have forgotten how God treats his enemies. He has made us friends. He has sent his son. And the son took the full dose of the medicine that we deserved. All of the punishment that we deserved. And all we are left with from God is sheer mercy and kindness. Because Christ drinks our curse. Now, it's remarkable because Paul here is speaking to the Roman church. And the year was about 57. Nero was already in power, but it would be a few years later, a couple of years later, when he would begin an all-out assault on the Christian church. He was suspected of, of, of burning down part of the city of Rome. And uh, a a great target was the the Christians. He could blame them. And then uh, awful persecution was unleashed upon them. I'll say this briefly um, to get through this, but Christians would be wrapped in animal skins and then given to the lions. Christians also would be dipped in pitch and then raised up on a pole and lighted uh, to light the gardens where Nero was throwing parties. How can you not despise such a monster? And yet here Paul is saying, he's saying, bless those who brutalize you like this? What in the world is he saying? And we might even ask the question, where did he ever hear such a thing? And we're reminded, as Jesus said, You have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, so that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven. For he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same. And if you greet only your brothers, what more are you doing than others? Do not even Gentiles do the same. You must therefore be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. This is the model that we have, that that God sends the Son um, to shine on those who curse Him. He sends the Son uh, on those who ignore Him or hate Him. And he sends rain, not just to you, but to those who say that he doesn't even exist. And more than that, we have Jesus himself saying, Father, forgive them, for they don't even know what they're doing. And yet, they had nailed his hands to the cross piece of that, of that cross. They had nailed his, his feet to the stipe or, or the, the, the post that was driven into the ground. They had been spitting on his face. They had beaten him with his fists. He was so hideous in his appearance, as Isaiah said, from whom men would hide their faces. When you see someone deformed and someone, someone look so horribly uh, just deformed like that, you just want to look away. And, and yet... It was the Son of God. The Son sent from God, the long-awaited Messiah. But they didn't know Him. They didn't know what they were doing. 
So Jesus says to them, Father, forgive them. And amazingly, the Father heard that prayer. Many of those shedding His blood that day would later drink it, saying, this is my blood, which is shed for you in the service of communion. John Murray uh, helps us to understand how it is that we are able to love like this. He references 2 Corinthians, which, which tells us of the love of Christ that controls us, that constrains us, that binds us. One died for all, for you, so that you might no longer live for yourself, but for Him. These words from John Murray, our flame, the flame of our love, our flame is always ignited by the flame of Christ's love. And it is the Holy Spirit who sheds abroad in our hearts the igniting flame of the love of God in Christ Jesus. The love that is ignited is the fruit of the Spirit. And that fruit of the Spirit comes by apprehending seeing the love of Christ for me, undeserving. That love for God creates the love of God for others. And it's His sacrifice that makes us willing to lay down, as Paul would say earlier in Romans 12, to lay down our lives as living sacrifices to die to self. We said that we can't do this by our own by our own willpower, and that's absolutely right. We cannot live that way. We cannot bless those who who curse us and do harm to us. We cannot do that, but by the transforming love of God. So I want to mention two things by way of specific application for what what do we do? The heart transformed by the love of God will do these things. First of all, the transformed heart will pray good things for others. Those who have harmed you, those who have hurt The heart transformed by grace. This comes down from heaven, people. Not self-generated. It comes down from heaven. Pray good things for them only by the grace of God. Notice here that, that God doesn't just shape your body or control your body so that you won't beat up those people. Neither does he just control your tongue, so at least you've got enough control to bite it, clamp down on it, and not say things. It's much deeper than that. God changes your heart so that you wish God's blessing on them. You wish God's good pleasure even on your enemies. Luke says says it this way, pray for those who abuse you. Father, forgive them. Listen to these words by, 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 uh, uh, by John Calvin. Hardly anyone has made such advance in the law of the Lord that he obeys this precept. Did you hear that? Hardly anybody gets this. Hardly anybody can do this. Yet no one can claim to be the child of God, to be a Christian, who has not in part 
attained this mind and who does not daily resist the opposite disposition. Hardly anybody gets it. But if you are truly a Christian, truly a child of God, you will, you will strain towards this goal. God, work this mercy in me that I'll be able to bless even those who have hurt me. You say something like this, like Ruby taught us. Father, forgive them. They don't even see what they don't see. They're not even aware of what they're doing. They don't know any better. Help them to see. That's what you do. First of all, you pray blessing. Pray prosperity. Pray the forgiveness of God. You bless them in your prayers. Possibly harder still is the next thing. And that is you say blessing to them directly. Speak good words, blessings, benediction to them. Now, for some of us, we might be, we might be to the point, well, at least we're not going to uh, seek revenge. Although we might not mind if they suffer a little bit. We're not going to seek revenge, but, uh, but, but uh, Calvin goes on to say hardly, hardly one in a hundred would actually wish that person well. And yet that's where God is leading us as we behold his mercy and kindness to us. And that's what we pray for Graham and for Jacob and Susanna and for the rest of the kids here that they would see the beauty of Jesus even in the way we treat our own enemies. That He is real and that He is good. And we seek to display the heart of Jesus not by avenging ourselves, but by overcoming evil with good. In a couple of weeks, we'll get to that idea about heaping coals on people's heads. We'll hang on for that one for a couple of weeks. But we're looking, by God's grace, to do good, to overcome evil with good. So, simply, simply, you be the one to reach out with words and with deeds of kindness. You be the one to act out the gospel of grace. If you're in a situation right now, people who have hurt you, perhaps family members, perhaps someone inside or outside the church, doesn't matter. What bridge uh, can you cross in order to bring the sweetness of God to them? How easy it is simply to ignore them. To not think about it. What bridge can you cross to bring the sweetness of God to them? Uh, For that's how Jesus rescued you. Well, I can tell you right now that uh, in our culture today, and and this is a battle that that we must be willing to engage in a biblical fashion, but you and I, if you are a Bible-believing person, a a Christian, um, you are already now considered an enemy. There are, our world is becoming overrun with people who believe that you, for example, pick your own gender. It is overrun by people who believe that marriage is, can be between any two people. 
And how are we to respond in this situation? First of all, my dear friends, we are not to curse them. It is so easy for Christians to gather in their little, their little clusters and cluck their tongues at how evil the world is and somehow feel justified in doing so because we, of course, are better, right? So we may not, we may not cluck our tongues. Neither may we avoid them as untouchables, as unclean, as a totally different level of evil than what we have been and at times still are. And we may certainly not copy any tactics that would demonize them. The discipline of blessing even our enemies is first of all going to be the discipline of listening Listening well, seeking to get to know people, hearing them. And then in the course of time, being able to share with them the goodness and the wisdom of God's ways. To be able to do that with any success, they must first of all know that you have a measure of respect for them while you disagree with their behavior. And I think this little text, bless those who, who, who persecute you, bless and do not curse, perhaps has as much meaning for us as it did in that first century while Nero was strangling the church. One thing that I've noticed in my own life as we work through this process of forgiveness as we work through this process of seeking to bless our, our enemies and not, and not persecute them either mentally or as an insultinator or in any other way. This is something I've noticed. That as you've forgiven them and as you've begun to pray for them, you'll, you'll see in the course of time that you're able to mention their name in a conversation and to do so with an attitude of blessing and of thankfulness. And you look back and you say, wow, God's done an amazing thing in my life. So praise Him for that. A a touch of the Spirit's work. Let's pray. Our God and Father, um, we're thankful, so thankful this morning for all that has transpired. We're thankful for um, the Githans and their and their two little boys. We're thankful for Sean and Amanda and Susanna. We are thankful for your word that is a bracing jolt of reality that pulls us up short and calls us to lay down our lives the way Jesus did for us. And so we pray that each person here, first of all, would have um, confidence in Jesus as Savior through the ministry of the Holy Spirit in our hearts, changing us. And then secondly, that each of us can see where we are called to walk out this humility, this courageous humility, and give us the grace, Holy Spirit, to do that. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.